Welcome to Potential You, where we help bring your vision to life by giving you access to some of the greatest minds and timeless strategies that have built successful organizations from the ground up. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and every major podcast platform. Here's your host, my favorite man in the world, my husband, Alex Klott. Let's get it. All righty, welcome to Potential You. Today, we have a good friend of mine, Michael Seifert. Michael, thank you for joining us today. So glad to have you, man. Oh, dude, it's an absolute honor. Thanks, Alex. This is so cool. So potentially you, for all of you listeners who are maybe new for the first time, or maybe this is the first time hearing about us or watching us, we exist to empower visionaries to fulfill their potential. Because at the end of the day, if we don't have visionaries fulfilling their potential, um, our life and our world is not going to grow into all that it could be. And so we want to invite some of the greatest visionaries who didn't just have a dream, but they actually took action on a dream. And so Michael is one of those people. Um, like I said, he's a good friend, but he's the CEO and founder of Public Square, an app and website that connects freedom-loving Americans to their local communities, reliable information, and the businesses that share their values. Never been more important, honestly, in today's day and age. Formerly the host of a notable news podcast, so I'm honestly a lot of pressure today. <laughs> a lot of pressure. Um, with regular listeners in all 50 states and over 100 countries called Refining Politics and Culture, Michael has a long sought to advocate for freedom in the public square, and that's exactly what you're doing, man. So welcome to the show. Um, we're so glad to have you here and uh, would love if you could just kind of kick off. Well, first of all, let's tell everybody how we met so they know, you know, how, how close of friends we are. Because, you know, by the time people are watching this, you're going to be so famous. They're going to be like, no way, Alex, no, it's Michael Seifert. There's no way. So I, w- I wanted to establish here what, what, how that actually happened. All of those kind words were undeserved. Um, and uh, yeah, this, this Alex is, is really cool for me. It's fun to be on this journey with you. And uh, we share a lot of the same DNA for what we want our local community to look like. We're both based in San Diego, um, America's finest city. Come on. And That's not only truth. what we want San Diego to look like, but what we want the country to look like, yes. what we want the world to look like. And so it's an honor to run alongside people that just have the same vision that you do. And so um, though we have different spots on the watchtower and different missions we're tackling, it's unto the same goal mm. and they're equally important. I love so that. I'm, I'm really grateful to be with you here. We met through church. We met through church. I love my church. Come on. Awaken oh, church. Plug yes. for Awaken church. Yes. If you don't live in San Diego yes. or Salt Lake city, make sure you listen to the podcast <clears throat> and, uh, and check us out. Cause we are a pretty awesome. Bunch of, bunch of, bunch of cool people doing some cool things. So True that. pretty special. Pretty special. Well, hey, why don't we um, why don't we kind of, you know, share? I would love, Michael, you could just take a few minutes and share your background, your story. I remember the first time we met, we got coffee and just hearing your story. Twenty six years old, y'all and changing cities, in my opinion, like literally changing cities and obviously changing lives in that. So um, how did you how did you even get to this place where you're now the CEO of Public Square? Like, what was that journey like from? you know, from zero to 26, if you can. Thanks, man. Yeah, thank you. I, I, I was thinking about this just before we were actually recording as we were chatting. And I I'm so grateful because I feel like my journey is, um, has just been a series of saying yes to things. Mm. Um, and to just not letting anything get in the way of it, even when there were roadblocks or, 
uh, potential speed bumps that would uh, maybe appear as reasons not to go for something. I'm really grateful because it feels like, you know, as a man of faith, I've always felt like God has um, reassured in me this, this blessed um, assurance, honestly, that if I were to say yes to something that he'll catch me. Wow. And it doesn't mean that my journey has been, been void of failure. It certainly hasn't, but it does mean that um, I have always felt like if I just say yes, that God will take care of the rest. Mm. Um, and so with that, I've been really grateful because my, my whole story has been one of trying to follow the Lord's leading. And, and for a while, um, I didn't do that well, but that's been kind of the primary goal of my life. And as, as I've done that, he's taken care of the rest. So really, I mean, the, the, the best encapsulation of my story and background is seek first the kingdom and all these other things will be added. Like I didn't do any of this. God is the one that laid the path. And I, I really genuinely believe that to core of my being. And so I've wanted to just keep saying yes, keep my eyes focused on what I need to keep my eyes focused on and trust that he knows the, the rest. Yeah. Um, I grew up in a very successful household. Um, my parents were both very successful. My dad came from nothing and built an incredible um, career for himself and for our family. And, you know, watching my dad and his drive and then that being kind of instilled into me and my DNA, um, for a while growing up, my drive was misplaced and trying to seek answers and trying to find purpose. And about halfway through high school, um, that drive got shifted towards the Lord and trying to seek righteousness. And then I, I really... At the same time, not only, um, you know, did I become a believer in God, um, I started to run after what I believed my purpose was, but I also was filled with a real sense of responsibility. Um, I, I'm a big believer that if you know the truth, that you should go share it. Hello. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a fan of kind of lazy Christianity or lazy virtue is another phrase I like to use. If you know the truth, what's it matter unless you're willing to share it? Oh, come on. And so... Um, I felt like growing up that when I had this, this change of heart where I went from seeking answers, not sure what I'm doing here, didn't really know what my purpose for my life was. When I finally got instilled with that purpose, it was like, well, the only byproduct of that is I have to go share it and I have to go try to teach other people their purpose. And I have to go lead people to the person who can instill that purpose. You know, it, it really was this sense of responsibility. And so ever since then, for the last decade, I've really been trying to um, run after my purpose that God's instilled in me. Uh, but also at the same time, make sure that my life is about ultimately others. Um, so there's a lot we could talk about there, but my, my journey is one I'm grateful for. Um, because as I've said, yes, God's taking care of the rest. And I don't understand how that works. To be honest, it's that divine sort of grace, but man, it's been a blast. Yeah. I love that, man. It, yeah. Cause the truth and, you know, obviously that's, you know, a huge conviction that you have. And I think all believers would have, but you know, not, not everybody has that conviction, but um, that's led you to obviously start Public Square. But um, before you were even, you know, before you started Public Square, what were you doing before then when you first got the kind of the vision for it? Like, what, what was it like when that idea kind of dropped into you? And, and, and maybe not even just Public Square, because I know that was probably more recent. But even before that, what led to your interest in politics? I think that that is probably something that um, really fascinated me when I met you because I was like, man, 26 and you, and you, you know, had this company, but you've probably been, it's not like you just all of a sudden 2020 happened, even though, you know, a lot of people that did happen where finally they got interested <laughs> yeah. in politics, but for you, what, yeah. what was that like? Um, when did that happen? That kind of that shift happened of, wow, politics is important. We shouldn't just leave politics to 
politicians, obviously, um, but the people should be involved. When, when did that kind of happen? What was that like? You can talk us through that. Yeah. Growing up, I, I had a lot of energy. I was one of those kids that they labeled, you know, ADD, ADHD, all the different acronyms. Um, and I, I, I really think back then what I, what I didn't realize and what, you know, some of the people that labeled me that way maybe didn't realize is that I just, I needed to be channeled into the right sort of lane. Um, and there's a whole lot we could talk about with the education system and how it, it, they, the education system largely treats children as a one size fits all approach. And that's not the case. And so I had a hard time growing up because, um, I, I, I was a good student. I, I had drive, but I, I felt like I was always being boxed into elements of the education system that I wasn't really excited about. And I had a hard time figuring out what I'm really excited about. And I remember in high school, um, I sat with a teacher who was teaching uh, U.S. government. And I had just moved from Canada. I was actually born in the United States, but then early on in my life, I moved up to Toronto Canada. and then moved back for high school. Yeah, crazy. And um, Canada and the United States are so different. They're, they're worlds apart, even though we share a border. And um, I, I remember sitting in this U.S. government class, and I remember hearing someone, a teacher in freshman year, say, you know, we should envy the Canadian healthcare system. And I had just moved from there. And I was shocked that they would make such a statement because I remember I had a pre-existing condition and I went to the doctor. I was diagnosed with something in my stomach when I was six. And I went to the doctor often in Canada and was regularly faced with the reality that if you have a procedure that you need and it's not an emergency, but it's important, you're not being seen for six to nine months. There's just no way. And sometimes it's much longer. I remember vividly sitting in hospital waiting rooms for wow. more than four hours um, regularly. And that's just what people live with. Imagine the DMV in the United States, but that's oh, your healthcare. No. Oh, no. And so um, <laughs> I heard that phrase. And I remember even in freshman year. Yeah, picture that. Um, oh, the nightmare. I remember in freshman year thinking, what? what is, what is this teacher talking about? Like, I, I just lived that and that's not accurate. And so it, it got me almost on this journey to try to figure out like, why would someone say such a thing? Like there's, there's such a difference in idealism and then what actually takes place. Um, and then I started seeing all these other environments where that was the case also, where there'd be this like glorified vision of utopia, but it would require you to give up certain freedoms and liberties and pay mm. more money to the government in order to achieve it. And yet it never was actually achieved. Yeah. I was an avid student of history. I loved reading John Locke growing up, which was my parents thought was weird, but um, <laughs> it, it, it's always been sort of a passion to try to understand uh -huh. how people work. And politics is really just the, the organization of people in a polis. Yeah. I mean, that's really the whole goal of politics is how do you organize a group of people? Hello. And so um, break it down you know, for us. <laughs> then I, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I went, I went into the rest of my kind of high school years and I had another teacher and this was fascinating. Uh, taught me AP US government and history. And, uh, his name was Louis Tison, an amazing teacher. And I still give him credit to this day because I sat in his class for an entire year and I still, to this day, do not know how he voted politically. Um, he, he was a teacher that taught you how to think, not what to think. Wow. I have no inclination as to what his personal political views were. What's amazing is that he helped us form ours in the class. Mm. And so we regularly got to debate about the issues that were important to us. Um, and so, you know, I, I remember vividly, I can close my eyes and picture it like it was yesterday, having these intense debates in class about issues like abortion, taxation, foreign policy, euthanasia. And we would have these um, political debates that were really about a deeper set of, of moral principles. Um, and I, I witnessed a lot of people in my generation and yours too, Alex, I mean, we're both millennials. I yeah. witnessed a lot of people in our generation um, running toward moral relativism, the belief that like ultimately there is no truth. 
Yeah. Um, your truth could be different than my truth and they're both equally valid. And I've always had a hard time with that. I don't understand why anyone would get to that conclusion. So I started going on a deep dive for that. Mm. Long story short, fast forward 10 years and, um, I I'm driven by politics cause I'm driven by people. Mm. Um, I I'm driven by values. Like I mentioned at the beginning of this, I, I believe that, um, the ultimate goal for me is to seek truth. And if, if I find it or I find elements of it, I need to share it. Um, and certainly we should seek the advancement of that truth, the absolute truth across a polis. And so that's, that's the whole background for public square. It's why I started it. Um, it's, it's why we have such an amazing driven team is because it's deeper than just red versus blue. It's deeper than Republican versus Democrat. It's deeper than just a love for civics. It's driven by the sense of virtue and morality um, that we do believe is absolute. And if we believe that to the core of our being, then we should obviously seek its advancement in local communities. And we should seek to create environments where that truth is able to be shared in greater measure. Um, so that's, that's, that's been my journey. It will be my journey for the rest of my yeah. life. Um, and I, I, you know, and obviously we started a business and so I've always been kind of driven by the business element of it. But at the end of the day, it's all about people. hundred percent. I love that. And that's, what purpose ultimately comes down to, I remember hearing, you know, it was a little while ago now, maybe five, six years ago that, um, cause you know, you've got this definition, you've got this term success. And I think, you know, our generation, I think every generation is aspired after success in one way or another and whatever that means to them and however they've defined that. But I think how you define, and we're finding, you know, especially today's day and age, how you define terms is, is game changing. And, and so I love how you've defined success because someone your age with the potential you have, the ability you have, success isn't just about significance. Success is not just about the things you accumulate, but like you said, success is about people. Success is about growth and contribution. How, how am I serving other people? Because I would, I would guess to imagine um, that you feel pretty fulfilled in what you do on a day-to-day basis. Like you feel like, man, what I was wired for like God, God obviously made me on purpose for a purpose. And, and I feel like I'm living in that. Would that be accurate to, to assume? Uh, it would be an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so, so blessed and grateful that at my age, I feel like I've found what I want to do forever. Yeah. Um, and it'll likely look different as I go through the years. And yeah. um, there will be a lot of different manifestations of that purpose that I'm, I'm really trying to yeah. live out. But man, like I fulfilled is an understatement. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful. I love that. And, and that's really the goal. Like that's the goal of this community is that we make it easy and normal for people to, because I, I mean, growing up, it was like you'd meet people in their 20s or 30s or 40s or 60s or 70s who did not still know what they wanted to do. And really wanted to do is a way of saying, I don't know what I was made for. And so I want to make that normal. And I know that that's a passion of yours too. And so um, I find that passion, because that's what you're talking about, right? Living every day with what you are already, like, I I could do this every day. I could do it for free. I could do it for a million dollars. I could do it for one person or a million people. Um, I remember one day I, I was trying to, you know, define passion. And I think I was preparing for a talk. And I looked up the term passion in the dictionary and it actually, uh, in the dictionary, it says, uh, the suffering of Jesus Christ. And Mm. so, you know, I kind of had this revelation that, you know, in order for us to get to passion, we have to, there has to be something that we're willing to suffer for and something that maybe we suffered from. And for you, it's like you, 
you know, there was a suffering in you of seeing people governed by idiocy for the lack of better terminology and for a lack of awareness and people, you know, the Bible says, you know, people are perishing, dying from a lack of knowledge. And, and there's a lot of information out there, but there's only true knowledge. And so I love that you're pursuing that. And I think that's, you know, what a, what a, what an ideal, what a, what a, what a mission that you're on. Um, and so I would love to hear now that, you know, we've kind of established where you've been, where you've come from, why you started public square. Obviously you started in the middle of COVID 2020, uh, which is pretty wild. So when you started it, um, what did you see? Cause I mean, vision is one of the most powerful things that we can have. And I, and I know that, you know, purpose comes first. So you had these values, you had these truths that you wanted to live by these ideals. Then purpose came, Hey, you know, step into freedom and help others do the same thing. And then what was the vision? Like, how did you at that time see the world, how it could be different based on what you were willing to um, suffer for in order to help other people? What does that look like to you? Yeah, I, you know, what's fun about starting Public Square is that the need is very personal. Um, the, the solution we're trying to bring is very personal. I, I totally respect the business owners that found a market um, that was kind of untapped or it hadn't reached its potential. And so they identified how they could fill that need and they went and they tackled it, but the need wasn't really personal to them. I still respect that because like, good on you. You found a need, you met it for other people, yeah, way uh, to go. Yeah. There's a whole nother level of um, just fun, honestly, and joy when the need is very personal. When I've yeah. actually felt what it feels like to be in our consumer's shoes. Um, so man, it, it's, it's a personal endeavor. I have felt alone in my values. I've felt like my values are not accepted in society. I have felt like my values have been sought to be canceled by the powers that be. I've felt what it feels like to desire to spend every dollar in alignment with my values. I've felt what it feels like to be tired of Starbucks. They donate to the abortion yeah. uh, industry in the United States, States and they burn their coffee and it's just a, it's a bad that cup they of coffee. Do. Broke and bucks. So, <laughs> yeah, broke bucks. You got it. I call Prophesy. them star sacks. Star sacks, um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I've, I've felt what it feels like to be really hurt by the fact that so many jobs in the United States have been placed offshore. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in company or in countries that really hate our values and adversaries of ours. Um, and so I, I've, I've seen what uh, greed does to a population. I've seen what being blind does to a population and just following the big tech oligarchs and the media giants that try to be the arbiters of truth. I've, I've seen what it does to a society and I've felt the need personally for real tangible change. The other thing that I've felt, um, you know, mother Teresa said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Mm -hmm. Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson says, if you want to change the world first, figure out how to make your own bed. There's this concept that I think has been true for thousands of years, that if you want to go change the world, you got to start in your backyard. Yep. So I've always been driven too by local politics, like who's on your city council, because arguably those people matter to your daily life a whole lot more than who the president is. And I've felt what it feels like to have this void of information about what the heck's going on in my local community. I, I was a user of Nextdoor, which is kind of our closest competitor. Um, and there are so many faults with Nextdoor. Obviously they're ideologically perverse, but there's also um, just so much of the market that they've missed out on because they've pursued um, a, a faulty sense of what it means to be successful in their industry rather than seeking the true connection of people and the true purpose for people. And so yeah. my dream is what if we could 
do what's amazing about local connection and networking, but do it with purpose at the end of it. That the goal would not be that you just mindlessly scroll through a feed, but that you would actually do something with your engagement and connection. And so the, the real vision was, what if we had a national movement of thriving local communities where freedom was brought into the mainstream because people are living their lives on the platform of their values and they're able to exercise their own liberties. And not only that, they're able to advance the liberties of others and they're able to shop at businesses that will prioritize and protect their liberties. I was asked last week on a, um, I was invited on to ABC. They were doing the special and they asked, uh, you know, are you, is your business community as a part of public square app? Cause there's a marketplace where all these different freedom loving businesses, um, provide products and services and they can post jobs. So if people are looking to buy a cup of coffee or get rehired by a freedom loving employer, they can do that on the app. I was asked by this, this newscaster, Hey, is your business community so relieved that the Supreme court ruled in favor of private industries and private businesses not having to mandate the vaccine. And I said, to be honest, like, yeah, they're relieved, but they weren't going to follow it. It didn't matter. They were going to yeah. prioritize the freedoms of their employees, regardless of what the Supreme Court said. Yeah. They believe in the intrinsic individual value of every human being. And so they weren't going to infringe upon their rights. And so it's really cool to have created a coalition like this. And that's been the vision from the beginning. Yeah. Um, what could happen? What could change if millions of freedom-loving Americans stood up and exercised their freedoms and did that, not just for their own families and their own futures, but even more importantly, for the betterment of others, like what could change? Um, that's the vision for Public Square. And man, like the, every testimony we get makes it all worth it. All the hours and all the work and blood, sweat, oh, and tears, man. Every time I hear another yeah. story of someone that got hired, it's worth it. Yeah. And there's countless of those, man. And it's like, feels like you guys just started, but the traction you already have, the you know, the adoption you already have, because you found a real problem that was personal to you that you were willing to do whatever it took for, because it's not easy. I mean, how many employees do you guys have right now? We have 15 full-time, but we've got, gosh, 35, 40 plus contractors yeah. working I mean, that's on the project. No, like, I mean, it's crazy. You know, that's no small thing to manage that. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of reasons to stay small that people can come up with, but when you have a passion um, and, and you're on purpose, you're willing to kind of march through any wall that you need to, in order to, to, to see that come alive. And so, I'm, I mean, you guys just went national, am I right? Or we're going national here soon? Few weeks. Few weeks. We're going we're national. Within a month. You might be watching oh, this yeah. and, you, and public square might be national, meaning you could be in Colorado, Texas, um, Chicago, you could be all across this nation and you could find public square and access it, which is going to be transforming, unbelieving for this, this whole nation. So that's awesome. What would you say? Cause now we're going to kind of move into a segment of kind of some more quick fire questions of more practical. How, how can someone with a journey that's connected to yours like mine, where, you know, we've got this vision, we've, we've kind of identified our purpose. It's tied to other people, but now how have you got there practically? Um, so I'm, I'm just going to fire off a few quick questions. The first one being, what is, uh, what would you say was the number one most significant challenge? I know I'm slightly changing this from what we talked about. What was the most significant challenge in getting up and running, like getting, getting traction um, from when you had the vision until when it started getting adopted? And then the second being, what's your current biggest challenge right now? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge at the beginning was just putting your head down and diving in. Um, mm -hmm. There's a lot of reasons that people, they never start. They have a great idea, but most great ideas never get exercised upon. Um, they never get executed for a myriad of different reasons. But I think the greatest challenge at the beginning was just putting my head down and doing it. You know, I, 
I had to raise in, in investment capital, I had to raise 2.9 million in a few months um, on an idea. Uh, and and yeah. that that took a lot. And it it took me swallowing any sort of fear, any sort of doubt, putting my head down and saying, I'm doing this and hell or high water, this thing's going to work. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, investors can feel it. If you don't believe mm. that, your employees can feel it. And so really the beginning of this journey, the greatest challenge was just Doubt, fear, you're away. I have my eyes on the prize. I know where I'm going. I know what our vision will lead to. For the vision that is set before our team, um, we are going to be so driven to do whatever it takes to make this thing happen. Um, that's the hardest thing is just saying yes at the beginning yeah. when you have every reason not to. Yeah. And very few to say, you know, very few reasons to say yes because you haven't done anything yet. Yeah. That's just an idea. I love but, that. Man, greatest challenge now. Um, Greatest challenge in my role as the CEO would be that you, you, are, um, you are, are so all over the place in the sense that, you know, I, I have to be thinking about raising money, maintaining and taking care and keeping happy former investors, ones that invested, that are currently invested, but they invested earlier. Um, so you're looking forward and backward on the investment community. I have to worry about the legal side of our company, making sure that we are protected from a security standpoint, legal standpoint, making sure our team is happy, focusing on the health and the well-being of current hires, former hires, and future hires, um, trying to make sure that we are positioned in the right segment of our market and making sure the market fit is accurate, having to be the public spokesperson for the company. A, a lot of that, like the, the greatest challenge in my personal life is just juggling all that because yeah, it's difficult. Um, 100%. And you really have to simplify everything else in your life because um, there's enough to worry about here. And so balancing that is probably the greatest challenge, but man, it's, it's so rewarding. And I feel like there's been a few good strategies that have helped me do it. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say now? You must have known the next question or something. I, I, because I, the reality is that's every visionary's, you know, at some point it's going to come to a head where it's like, okay, I've got like 75,000 responsibilities, not including those at home. And now I got to figure out how to, how to do all this and how to do it efficiently and effectively. And um, we believe really strongly in the 80 20 principle, which, you know, basically says there are 20% of things that you do that will produce 80% of results. And there are 80% of things that you can do that will produce 20% of the results. It's the Pareto principle. And so um, this idea that if I can just focus on a few things and if I just do these few things and really I don't need to worry too much about the other stuff. So would love for you from both a personal life perspective, because I know other visionaries are, are challenged by this as well. Um, what have you done that have been maybe the few things to establish health in a pretty crazy season of building? Um, that would be the first thing, maybe one to three things that you've done for your personal health, for your marriage, cause you've been married four years. Um, I believe four years and, uh, and, and you're kind of, you know, obviously continuing to accelerate. So what are you doing at home and for yourself mentally, physically, emotionally, whatever makes the most sense. And then business wise, what are the few things that you're focused on, on maybe a daily, weekly basis? Cause we want to, we really want to establish habits of high performers, habits of visionaries who have seen traction. Because if, if, if people listening here, if you can get the same habits, you can get the same results. And so, Michael, if you can just take a moment maybe and, and share a few of those habits, maybe on both sides. Yeah, great question, man. Because this has been a journey that I've, I've really had to intentionally go on. I think a lot of people that are in the, the, 
the category of people that are listening to this podcast, visionaries, people that have dreams, that have vision for something big, and they, they are finding that purpose and then executing on it. Um, I think there's a common shared problem in a lot of those people. I certainly share it. A lot of those people are jack of all trades and they can do a lot and they like doing a lot. And there's a lot of different things that they like doing. And it feels really hard to sift through what's really important and urgent and what's not. And so for me, one thing in my personal life that's been really helpful is simplifying it. Um, so I'll, I'll give you some practical examples. I really like to ski. I like to surf. I like to sail. I like to shoot guns. But in this season, I've had to cut out some of those. And I picked like what's really most important to me. And so in this season, I've decided that sailing is the most important. And so I kick all the other stuff to the side and I try to sail at least two times a quarter. I haven't surfed in a while. I haven't skied in a while. But at the end of the day, man, I've enjoyed sailing more than ever before because I don't have the time to do all of them, but I do have the time to do one. And so I'm going to focus on the one. I believe that I need it because I believe that it keeps me healthy and sane and I'll get out and I'll enjoy that water twice a quarter. Another example is like music even. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a guy that likes a lot of different genres of music. I've simplified my life. I listen to hymns and classical piano. That's it. I used to listen wow, to country piano. and indie and yeah, I used to listen to country and indie and rock and all these different things. And man, at the end of the day, I've, I've listened to hymns and piano and that's helped me just remain kind of, again, headstrong, moving mm -hmm. forward, um, focused and yet getting the music fix that I really feel like we need to be able to enjoy that art, that beauty keep us reminded of the beauty of this world, why we're doing what we're doing, um, and gives you a break from thinking about investment dollars and company health and all these things. So there are, there are these different categories in my life, eating, same deal, um, trying to structure my life in a really uh, healthy way to where um, I get to enjoy what I enjoy, but I have to schedule it into my life. And if I don't mm -hmm. schedule it into my life, it's got to fall by the wayside. And if I'm not willing to schedule it in my life and be really intentional about pursuing it, probably wasn't that important to me in the first place. Hello. Um, so that's been a big one is like simplifying everything, I love trying that. to pick like what's really most important and what's not. Yeah. The other thing you asked the business side of things, I think one thing that we're, we're really seeking to do is automating a lot. I, I think that in, in this day and age, there's um, a bit of a fear that I have, certainly, and I know a lot of other people do, that if you automate, that means that you're, you're taking away uh, the beauty of employees and the beauty of people working on the project. And it's, it's not true. You can pair automation with employees and you can pair automation with uh, hard work from individuals that are toiling manually and are, are moving your, your company or your product forward. I don't think it's one or the other. I think what you can do is you can use automation to help make the life of your employees even better. There we go. And help them as employees uh, really adopt that 80-20 principle. And so one thing we've done is even, you know, with our team that builds all of our business profiles that join the app, we, we automated a lot of their processes to make their lives easier with more productivity. So it didn't get rid of our employees. It didn't get rid of that department. What it did is it made our department more productive. And so Brilliant. every single place throughout our company, we're constantly looking for where can we increase productivity 
Where can we streamline our processes? Where can we make the lives of our employees better by assisting them with the technological giftings that we're pursuing and the innovation that we're pursuing? And man, that's made all the difference. So automation unto the goal of people's lives getting better, both wow. in your market and your employees is a beautiful tool. I love it. We're not transhumanists that believe that we should automate every role so that we never have to talk to people again. Yeah. We're believers that automation can be a really good tool to bring out the best in the productive people that you're hiring. Brilliant. Wow. I hope you all caught that. You probably need to rewind everything Michael just said. Because there's some gold nuggets <laughs> that you probably have paid a price to learn. I mean, from from your personal life, simplifying. I love that because what you're looking at is like an ROI on your happiness in a sense. You're looking at ROI on your fulfillment, on your joy. Okay, what are the few things, you know, what's the one thing in some cases that is going to bring the greatest amount of joy so that your head's not so scattered thinking, oh, I've got to fit this and I got to fit this and I got to fit this in. And I totally get that, man. I'm, I'm in the same boat. Okay, what's the one thing for me? Um, you know, it's, it's going out and playing golf. Like if I can go do that, you know, once a month for me, I'm in a good spot. Um, if I can somehow go play basketball once a week, I'm in a really, really good spot. So there's these things that if we can simplify down and ask yourself, what's the one thing instead of doing all these other things. And then if it's important enough, schedule it in. Um, I was reading this book called atomic habits, incredible book. And it teaches about, um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you, if you say you're going to do something, whether it be, you know, something for work, whether it be, you know, some adventure, whether it be, you know, some activity, you know, if you say you're going to do it, you have 30% chance of actually doing it. Whereas if you say when and where you're going to do it, time and location, you've got a 90% chance of getting it done. So I love that you say, hey, if it's not going to go on my schedule, then obviously it's not important enough because the reality is it's probably not going to get done. And on the business side, I mean, how, how incredible is that automation? But, you know, there's a means to an end. And, uh, and, and I love, and it's all about what you guys are really doing is how do we get our people doing the things that only they can do? Because this isn't the industrial age anymore. And there's things that people don't need to be doing, but there's the creativity, the intellectual worker. Now you're putting your people in the best spot to do what they do best. And so that's what we always say is, Hey, find the 10 to 20% of your job that only you can do. And then automate, delegate, eliminate the rest, especially as a leader. Obviously, that's not always true for people that are executing things administratively, but you can do your best to still use a margin of that philosophy. So I love that, man. That's that is gold. All right. Some rapid fire things. And then um, we're going to be wrapping this thing up. What would you say? And speaking of simplicity, what is the number one book resource course that has helped shape your philosophy, not just your political philosophy, but maybe your success philosophy in general, how you think what would be the number one book resource podcast or whatever it is? Whoa. Difficult question. I know. Can I give two? You can can I give two? two. You're special. You can give two. Okay. Okay. Um, and I'll try to make it relevant to this season of life too, because I've read a lot. I I love to read. So I've read a lot of books over the course of my life that have meant different things to me and have been really significant for the seasons that I've been in. But right now I would say there's a book by Reed Hoffman called masters of scale. And it's, it's building scale fast in a way that leads to capturing your moment in the market. On the business side of things, that book is, is absolute gold. I mean, I'm, mm, I'm blown away. Um, I'm actually currently reading it right now. So I, I highly recommend y'all join me on the journey. Read Masters of Scale <laughs> with me by Reed Hoffman. Amazing book. On the so more, sort of more philosophical side of things, I'm going to give you three. Uh, the, on the philosophical side of things, uh, 12 Rules for Life by Dr. Jordan Peterson is an amazing, amazing book. Um, The whole principle of the book that it kind of centers around is an anecdote to chaos. 
So how to bring order in a world filled with chaos. And it starts in your own personal life. So it's, it's a book about personal responsibility. Um, I'm a big advocate of personal responsibility. Oh, yeah. I think that kind of goes against the grain of our, of our cultural norms. Unfortunately. So I'd say that book. Yeah, true. And then the last thing is, if you just love history and you want to kind of learn where we're at at this point in history and how we got here, there's a book called Modern Times by a guy named Paul Johnson. It's mm-hmm. 900 pages. It's a lot. But it's a good book to kind of open for a year, work your way through it. It's very detailed and it talks a lot about kind of how we got where we're at. Brilliant. And y'all, the reason we, we, we want to find out who our guests are reading, listening to, watching is because the reality is, you know, we all know that you have certain results because of certain things that you have or have not done. And those are really the activities that you do are based on who you've become as a person or who you're not. And then ultimately that comes from how you think and how you think comes from information. And so if you want the same results that a Michael Seifert has, you've got to learn how to think the way he thinks. And so for $45, you can start to think the way that Michael thinks. Three books, $15 a piece, most likely get an Audible account. I'm not even sponsored by them, maybe one day, but they are. I love Audible. <laughs> love I'm it. a big fan of Audible. Me too. I've been on it for maybe four or five years. I think I have over a hundred something books, but it, it's a simple thing to get new information, but that information can change your life. Speaking of things that have kind of shaped you, Michael, the other thing that we're really um, value is, is mentorship. And this idea that, you know, there are people that have gone before you once again, same concept who have a certain result but it's because they've thought a certain way. Nobody just randomed or happen chanced into, you know, lifelong habitual success and success being, you know, you know, serving other people at a pretty massive scale. And so the question for you is who are the three people that have been most influential, maybe different seasons of your life in terms of shaping how you think who you are? Yeah. would love to. And then maybe how, you know, very shortly how they impacted you. Yeah. Great question. One of them I'll, I'll use for my previous question, Dr. Jordan Peterson, professor of psychology from Harvard University and University of Toronto. He actually came under fire and was fired from University of Toronto uh, for his, his belief that we should not ever, as a polis, a group of people, be forced to say certain things. So Ontario and Canada released a, a bill called C-16. It was a compelled speech law, and he protested against that law and was ultimately let go because of it seeing how he has sought purpose in his life and how he has made the bridge and is making currently the bridge. I'm very inspired and he's someone I pray for often. He's making the bridge between psychology and philosophy and faith, deeper sense of purpose and watching him go on that journey and process honestly with the platform that he has and millions of people that look to him and being willing to do that honestly and vulnerably in the the spotlight is really, really inspiring. So Dr. Yeah. Jordan Peterson's one of them. On the sort of political philosophy side of things, Tucker Carlson's amazing. I love Tucker. Uh, a lot of people don't realize, you know, they see him as a talking head on Fox News. What they don't realize about Tucker is that he's a deep intellect. He's, he is a, a very smart person, but he's down to earth. I mean, he's from La Jolla, which is cool too. So hey, San Diego boy. Um, yep. But he... He's inspiring. People don't give him credit for how deep of a thinker he is. And what also is really inspiring about Tucker is that when he's presented with the truth and it counteracts what he thought, he'll change his opinion to match the truth. And so what's been neat too is Tucker's been pretty consistent over the decades in his political philosophy, but there's been a few key issues that he's been faced with the truth and he changes his mind on. He was not nearly as pro-life 
um, at a time as he is today. Yeah, wow. But he's he's been willing to see the truth and allow that truth to change how he thinks, which I think is just the mark of humility, you know? Yeah. I think the last thing I'd say is actually a group of people, and these people get hated on quite a bit in our society today, but they were change agents and they had a vision and they executed on it even when it cost them everything. And those are the founders of the United States. Um, you know, we just celebrated our 245th birthday last summer, and I've been reflecting a lot recently on just the American Revolution and the vision that these, these men had. And they were not perfect men, of course, but in their time, these were people that um, saw a vision for what our country could look like and they were willing to risk everything for that vision. And honestly, it was unpopular at the time. A lot of people think that the American Revolution was just this, well, everyone wants freedom and everyone wants to get rid of the king and everyone wants to make these colonies into the future prosperous land that we now know today. That was not the case. Those yeah, people wow. at best were indifferent, but a lot of people were loyal to the king. And so it was family turning on family. They had to deal with interrelational conflict because they had a vision, but not everyone bought it and not everyone saw the benefit that we would experience today, but they took a risk um, and we're remembering them as legends, um, even amidst all their faults. Remember, because yeah. I'm not claiming they were perfect, but I am claiming that they had a vision and today our lives are undoubtedly better because of the fact that they pursued that vision. 100%. Wow. And the important thing to, to note too about what Michael was saying is is your mentors don't always, you know, a lot of people I hear excuses. Oh, well, I can't get this person. I can't get a hold of this person. I, how am I supposed to get in touch with this person? I don't have money to pay this. You don't need that. You have access to these people's way of thinking, their writings, their, um, you know, their podcasts. I mean, there's there, Dr. Jordan Peterson has like hundreds of probably thousands of videos and, and there's, and Tucker, I mean, you can watch him almost every day. So uh, there's really no excuse not to find people who have the kind of, you know, results that you want and go after and, and digest all the information you can uh, from them. So I love that. All right. Second and last question. What is the number one for our community? The number one most important piece of advice you would give to somebody who's listening right now. They have a vision. Maybe they've got a little bit of traction, but they are they are they are they are wanting to have an impact like you're having. What would be the number one piece of advice that you would give them? This, this sounds so cliche, but honestly, like if, if you, if you have a vision, buy it completely, buy it more than anyone else will ever buy it. You need to be the most bought in person on your vision and then just do it. Don't, don't say like, well, I'll do it in a month when the timing is right. The time will never be right. So just do it. Um, I think that was a, a really good piece of advice that I got that inspired me to just take the leap. Um, at best you succeed and the vision becomes all that you believe it can be. At worst, you just got a master's degree in what it looks like to get something off the ground to put your blood, sweat, and tears and your heart fully behind something. And that's an invaluable lesson that you'll carry with you the rest of your life. And so, again, I'm grateful for mentors that have taught me early on that life is too short. It's too short to sit on the sidelines. You were born for this point in history. You were born yeah. for this point in history. And it's, uh, it's on you. It's fully on you. So just jump in, do it, say yes, fully believe it more than anyone else will believe it and put your head down and run. I mean, that's, it sounds overly simple, but it really is that simple. There's a million reasons to not do it. And sometimes there's very few to say yes, but if you believe it, like, man, go for it. You won't regret it ever. You won't regret it. Even if you goal. fail and fall on your face, you're not going to regret it. And that's the goal. No regrets. You don't want to be uh, sitting in your deathbed wondering if I could, should I, would I, I wonder what, 
No regrets. And I love that it's you, my Michael. Fear. Yeah. yeah. And I love that you, man, have lived driven by that um, and driven by what could be and what could be for our nation, what could be for our states, what could be for our city and what could be for this world. So thank you so much. Would love for the listeners to be able to know how they can get in contact with you, how they can support you. What's the best way to number one, connect with you in public square? And then how are you currently, how, how could our audience support you? Oh, thanks, man. Yeah. PublicSQ.com is the best way to learn a little bit more about what Public Square is. If you're in California, you can actually go ahead and create an account. If you're in another state, depending on the time you're listening to this, you you potentially could create an account also and not just have to join the waitlist because we'll be nationwide. But you can download us on the App Store or Google Play as well. Type in Public SQ. You'll see a little purple and blue box. So download Public SQ on the App Store or Google Play, or you can head to publicsq.com, hit about, and you can learn our whole story and kind of how we got this thing started. Um, and then I'd say, man, the, the best thing that people can do for us in our journey is to pray for us, cheer us on, join it, join the platform, share it with your friends. Um, if you want freedom to advance in local communities, the best way you can help us is by being a change agent yourself. Jump on the app, join the community, share your values. The more that you share your values and you express what's truly going on inside your heart, the way you see the world, the more that you open up the comfortability for other people to do that too. And so honestly, the best way you can help me is by being the, the fullness of yourself in your local communities. Press in, realize that this time in history was made for people like you to rise up and have impact. And man, then we'll do it together. We'll lock arms and it'll be a beautiful way of doing that. So publicsq.com, you can download us on the App Store or Google Play. You can also follow us on Instagram, official public SQ. Um, and then you can connect with us there. You can follow me on Instagram at real Michael Seifert. Uh, Instagram keeps threatening to ban me. So who knows how much longer I'll be there. But it's a blast. You got to go That's for why we created our own social platform. We're yeah. like, I'm so tired of Instagram. We're just going to create a different one. There you go. And that's how you do it. Well, thank you so much, Michael, for joining us here at Potentially You. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been Potentially You, empowering you, visionaries, to reach your full potential. Thank you, Michael. Appreciate you and excited for the future of Public Square. Thanks, Alex. Thanks for having me on. No problem.